Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Fanboy Comics Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Clay, and this is the podcast where I talk about the Marvel Unlimited app, the DC Universe app, and the Shonen Jump app. Of course, where we talk about all of the classic and new stories of those individual properties. Now, you may be wondering, wow, we are actually getting four episodes this week. Yes, I wanted to keep on my schedule. Unfortunately, I didn't get to do that last week because, like I explained yesterday's episode, I was in a complete, just like, utter mess of excitement and just adrenaline of everything that's been going on with the Snyder Cut movement and the announcement of the Zack Snyder's Justice League. So, I won't get too much into that because I talked about that, of course, last episode. You can hear me talk about it at the Comic Book Legion podcast or the Batman News Weekly podcast, of course, as well. So, let's go ahead and jump right into what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're going to be talking about Royals number two, Spectacular Spider-Man number two, and Miss Marvel number two, as well as Supergirl number one, Superboy number two, and Superman Wonder Woman number two. Now, I, with these books, I enjoyed some. Uh, I feel like the others may be just like your run-of-the-mill, you know, just stereotypical insert hero here book. And, which is not totally bad, to be honest. It's not too, too bad. But I definitely may be scrapping some of these books. Because... If they don't get good within the next, like, issue or two, like, I don't want to waste too much time on them. I want to be reading fun, enjoyable stories, if not, like, super serious and intriguing stories. So, uh, with that said, let's go ahead and get started with our very first book we're going to be talking about. Of course, the lineup always goes Marvel first and then DC. So let's go ahead and jump into Royals number two. Previously on Royals, Marvel Boy... An explorer from another dimension claims that there's a secret buried in the remains of Hala, the Kree homeworld, that will provide a way forward for the Inhuman race. So most of the royal family and a couple of new Inhumans have gone with Marvel Boy on a journey into space. But it has been foretold that seven will go on this quest and only six will return. And with clumps of hair in her hand, Medusa just told everyone that she is dying. Uh... You know, I honestly can say if, and I say honestly, and that's not really fair because it's only, what, two, of course, only two issues in, but I would almost say that if this wasn't for John Boy Meyer's art, I don't know if I would be reading this book. Now, of course, the Inhumans are pretty famous, you know, there was a big event, I believe, right before this, which was the Inhumans versus X-Men, and I know that there is a lot of want for the Inhumans to be in live action, they did it in S.H.I.E.L.D., Uh, they were wanting to do it, uh, well, Jeff Loeb was wanting to do it in a movie, Kevin Feige didn't want to, that's why they scrapped it from the whole phase three I think it was anyway whatever I I know that there's an audience for these 
this group of individuals as far as Marvel goes uh, and in the humans. But I don't have all that much knowledge of the Inhumans other than Medusa, Lockjaw, and Black Bolt. Everyone else is a complete uh, different, you know, it's it's a whole new genre for me. And of course, n- now we will get into it also because, well, it hasn't really talked about it in the book that we're going to be talking about. But Miss Marvel is also an Inhuman. So those are the only four Inhumans that I know. Lockjaw, Black Bolt, Medusa, Miss Marvel. And so that's why I wanted to read this book. I wanted to read this book because it had really cool art. Because John Boy, John Boy Myers is one of my favorite artists. I love the color, you know, concepts that he uses. And, you know, okay, Inhumans, somebody I want to learn. So at least if I don't like the story, I still have something good to look at. And I, I don't know, I'm... I can't say I'm lost. I just I think I'm uninterested, which I think hurts even more. But uh you know, we do have a small scene in the very beginning talking about, you know, that, you know, however long into uh 5000 years uh in the future. Uh I literally have no idea what it's talking about. Uh, but we do jump onto the ship, of course, where everybody is at. Medusa is bedridden. Everybody's surrounding her. Uh, Black Bolt seems a little distant from her. She very much notices. And everybody is still very concerned for Medusa. Then there is an, some sort of invasion of... I believe they are called... What are they? Um, uh, sh- the Shatari. So there is a swarm of Shatari invading... And there is, like, this giant freaking uh, fight between the Shatari and, I know some of these names because they're in the beginning of the book, uh, Gorgon and Flint are the ones to really fight them off outside of the ship. And this is very much one of those of, like, you know, Medusa wants to be more of a captain and a leader, so she's going to be doing that. Uh with the ship i think it's really cool cool that uh what is her name uh she is uh what is it uh uh swain of course that is the inhuman that can swain emotions uh she wants uh her to broadcast calm and focus and she so she so swain Swains the emotions of the cast or, or of the crew of the ship of being calm and focused, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, so they're all shooting like the guns from the inside, you know, killing all the Shatari or whatever. And then Gorgon and Flint are outside using their powers, fist fighting, whatever. And basically. Medusa is using, you know, she, not really using, but she tries to motivate Flint in a very weird way. Because at first, it's she sounds very harsh towards him. But you eventually find out that she is trying to encourage him. And he moves Pluto, like the actual planet. He moves Pluto uh, into uh, the Shatari and it like gets them kind of like off their track. And then at the very end, you uh, Medusa 
calls Black Bolt out on, you know, him not really being uh, there for them and everything else. And she says, oh, by the way, you can drop your disguise, quote unquote, Black Bolt. And then Black Bolt starts to talk. And if you know Black Bolt, he is not allowed to talk because the slightest whisper of his voice can cause earthquakes, which I think is the coolest thing. But uh, he talks, so you immediately find out, okay, this is definitely not Black Bolt. Who is it? And it is Maximus the Mad. And I believe Maximus is either Black Bolt's brother or Medusa's brother. I can't remember which one. But, so Black Bolt is missing. So that is interesting. Uh, And, you know, it's going to keep me reading the story. But... The actual dialogue and the concept as of right now, other than the cliffhanger, was kind of like, eh, okay, not, nothing too big. And I do know that this was cut short, so it probably wasn't selling all that great to even begin with. So, I will try to move this forward for another, you know, issue, excuse me, or two. And then we will see how all of that goes. Let's go ahead and move on to the second book of the day. That being Spectacular Spider-Man number two. Previously on Spectacular Spider-Man, a series of assaults in New York City has left seemingly unconnected victims in a strange coma. Each victim has somehow been drained of their adrenaline. The only clue to identify and purpose of their mysterious attacker is a set of small puncture wounds just above the kidneys. While the NYPD investigates, Spider-Man wrestles with feelings of remorse over the injury of his longtime friend, Flash Thompson. Flash, Flash's abduction at the hands of Spider-Man's archenemy, Green Goblin, has rendered him brain dead. Even though Spider-Man knows he could have done nothing to prevent Flash's injuries, he blames himself. Shortly after a visit to the local hospital, Spider-Man goes to his regular patrol, His thoughts consumed by Flash's predicament, his attention is soon diverted as he senses danger coming from a railway tunnel below. There, he encounters a twisted form of a half-human, half-alien symbiote known as Venom. Now, this does start immediately at the subway with that encounter with Venom. Uh, They do have a little bit of a tussle. Here, I do like the banter that Spider-Man has. Just that old classic, like, hey, I'm going to try to get my mind off of this whole fight type thing. uh, Show that I'm not scared kind of banter. Uh, I really do love that about Spider-Man. Because he always tries to have the brighter, you know, side of the uh, dangerous encounter. And it almost makes it to where, like I said, it it makes it seem like he's not afraid. And so that could very much agitate a villain or frustrate them and get them angry. Uh, And, of course, when villains get angry, they mess up. And that's the best way to subdue them. But uh, we do see a lot of investigation with detectives and everything else. We see Spider-Man go to his apartment. And, of course, in the first issue, he had that little, like, picnic-type, you know, backyard you know, balcony type, you know, I guess, hang out with all of his neighbors. And he's just saying here, like, oh, man, I have to be careful whenever I'm coming in now, because now I can probably expect there to be a lot of people, 
you know, wondering where I'm at and things like that. But uh, we do see a very odd scene with uh, Eddie Brock and the symbiote. Uh, this is not the, the I guess, relationship with the symbiote that I've seen with Eddie before. Uh, Eddie seems very scared of the symbiote uh, and very tired. And this is this is very odd. You know, this is this is a symbiote that is very much wanting to use Eddie instead of really be with Eddie, which is what we are very much getting in the most recent run uh, with Donny Cates. So. I found that odd, and, you know, it's really cool, we get a small explanation, of course, this is a new run of Spectacular Spider-Man, this is only the second issue, so, one of the important things to do in the, I I would say, within the first three issues of any book, is to somewhat establish to the reader a power set, not this over-exaggerated thing, um, Bendis, but, you know, this, just this subtlety of like, okay, this is this, you know? And this happens with Peter's Spider-Sense. It's a really cool sequence. Um, let me actually look at the writer, because I always forget to look at this writer. Uh, Paul Jenkins does a really good job uh, at this one scene where he's out on patrol and he's talking about his Spider-Sense, about how it's almost like everything moves in slow motion. And, you know, the tingly feelings that he gets and, you know, what it really means to have this, you know, extra sense and all that stuff. It's really, really cool. I really enjoy it. And there's also, you know, the the connective tissue and backstory of there possibly being a connection with Peter Parker and the symbiote. Because, you know, after that whole encounter with these robbers, you know, where he was talking about his his spider sense, he feels a heartbeat, and that heartbeat is coming from Eddie and the symbiote. So he very much notices that he's out there, and we have this scene with Eddie with the symbiote on, and you just see his head. You see Eddie's head, and the rest of his body is Venom, and Venom is bullying him and talking him into jumping off the building, and. He jumps off and, you know, he's saying, like, oh, are you scared? Are you, gonna, you know, you know, are you scared of dying? And saying all these things. And he's saying, all I need is your adrenaline. And he's trying to, you know, get the adrenaline in Eddie to a certain point so he can just take it all. And then, you know, he does end up saving him. Uh, we get this small interaction with uh, Flash Thompson in the hospital. And I don't know, uh, Liz, I don't know who this person is, to be completely honest, but uh, Liz is somewhat, I guess, responsible for Flash Thompson now, Uh, and, you know, her and Aunt May have this, you know, conversation about how hard it's going to be, but Aunt May is like, oh, well, you have us, you have family, you have friends, will help you take care of him, and Flash looks completely out of it, I feel totally sorry for him, I don't know exactly what happened, because I don't have any context for, you know, the stories that happened prior, but he, he definitely looks brain dead, drooling, and just like, sitting there in that wheelchair, must really suck, but, uh, near the end of this book, uh, 
Spider-Man has the conversation with the detective that's on the case for this mysterious, you know, uh, attacker that is putting everybody's in coma, everybody in a coma. And Spider-Man basically says, you know, this is this is Eddie Brock, this is Venom, and Venom is looking for a new host, and that's how it ends. Uh, I love the art. Uh, of course, this is Umberto Ramos, uh, very early days of Umberto Ramos. The one thing that really bothered me about this whole thing is everybody has white eyes with, of course, whatever color eyes they have, and 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 then, you know, the black pupil. The detective that's on this case has black eyes with a white pupil. And it just looks like he's like a vampire or a zombie or whatever. He just looks off compared to everybody else. So that really did bother me. Uh, but other than that, I enjoyed the story. I loved the opening scene with the encounter between Venom and Spider-Man. It almost made me want to do one of those things that I did with uh, Nightwing, New 52, number one. Uh, I believe it was several episodes ago that I actually put, like, I did a audio drama of, like, the first five pages of that book. I really wanted to do one here with Spider-Man and Venom, but uh, I just, I, I, I have way too many things going on right now. And I wish I could do something like that. I just need, I need more time. I don't know if I'll ever get that. And I know, you know, this is off topic, but that's my ultimate goal here is I love reviewing these books. I love doing this podcast, but I eventually want a podcast to be able to do audio dramas uh, for these books. Uh, but that would be totally, totally fun. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the last Marvel book of the day, that being Miss Marvel number two. All right. Miss Marvel number two, super famous part. Two. When a strange that's all of her origin story. That's not important right now. What is important is previously a mysterious real estate company is evicting residents from the homes and businesses from their homes and businesses, and they're using Miss Marvel as their poster child. Not only does Kamala have to reclaim her identity, Miss Marvel has to protect her city from a new threat. Gentification. Now, this, this was, I mean, this is very much a teen hero book. I, I do enjoy it. Uh, I will say this is actually a um, good G. Willow Wilson story. I know I'm throwing a little bit of shade at her Wonder Woman run that she didn't have all of her heart in. But here, I do see, uh, you know, this is a very good story. I love the fact that... Uh, at least one part of her family knows that she is Miss Marvel and is kind of giving her crap about it, uh, but still wants her to be a hero. But, of course, also still wants her to be a kid, to be in school, to get good grades, things like that. And we get, like, small small glimpses into her life, and uh, we see uh, her older brother, and because of their way of life, their religion, whatever you want to call it, um, her older brother is not allowed to really hang out with uh, a woman by herself. I don't think that's, from what I got here in the reading, that's what I got from it. And so he asks Kamala, uh, you know, hey, uh, he says, uh, what, what does he say? He says, uh, 
oh well they get into a conversation and you know he makes it sound like he has a girlfriend and so she says wait you have a girlfriend he says of course not she's a girl i'm speaking to only with correct supervision for the purpose of discussing marriage and uh he says stop saying girlfriend uh taisha is not my girlfriend we're doing this properly and she says okay i'll be a good maram which it says here in the editor's notes a family member with whom one is permitted to be alone in private so they are meeting up with this girl with uh, her brother and they bump into her with the owners of the real estate firm or whatever and they realize that these people that are within this new you know community or whatever they seem to be living their lives like completely perfect, but all of their eyes are glowing pink. And so they're just acting all weird. Of course, this initiates Kamala to, you know, jump into action. She she runs off uh, and, you know, gets all of her, her costume on and everything else. And she ends up finding the, uh, like, unmarked vehicles coming from that community. So she jumps onto them. Uh, there's a little bit of a tussle with the head of that community, uh, the same guy that they were talking to earlier. And Kamal's like, you know what, you're going to tell your boss that you need to move out of, you know, this part of the city. He's like, oh, well, you can tell him yourself. We're already here. She sees the warehouse and she gets knocked unconscious. She wakes up. She sees, you know, the head honcho, the boss or whatever. And he says that the uh, he says right here ah miss marvel we've been expecting you for quite some time i've been told you are resourceful which is why i thought it would be best to wait for you to come to us and now here you are uh my name is dr faust welcome to the hope hope yards development and relocation association and she kind of was like wait a minute hope yard development and relocation association oh my god you're hydra it spells out hydra and you know he's like yeah yeah okay you you've you you got us but look at the new employee we got and it is uh it's bruno her best friend and you you do realize, you know, somewhere in the middle there that, you know, they're, they're, she basically breaks into this facility and there's like this like pink glowing purple ooze, whatever. And, uh, cause I think that's, yeah, that's, I guess that was at the end of the first issue. Sorry. Cause it's not here. It was into the first issue. I don't know. It was the beginning of this one. Sorry. I'm getting all flustered. So in the beginning of this issue, she does break into that facility, that community. Um, and she gets this purple ooze. She gets Bruno to test it at the school lab. And uh, he gets kidnapped right then and there. And that is when you find out that it is, in fact, Bruno who is being now brainwashed from Hydra. So this is interesting. I, I'm enjoying this one. Um, I think this will be a book that I still keep 
and I think this one went through the whole Marvel Now treatment. So we are at a number one, I think at around issue 12 or 13, we will eventually get to a, it's still issue 13, but it's also counted as an issue one because of the new launch or whatever. Uh, but it's still all under the same writers. So we will eventually get to all that. Uh, but, you know, overall these books were pretty well done. It's just that one Royals book. You know, it's a little bit of a letdown because it has such cool art that the story isn't really getting to me. So we'll see how that one does. We'll wait another two issues or so to see if we're going to drop it and, you know, jump onto something else. But, um, yeah. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and jump into our DC portion of the books. Oh, excuse me, I have the burps. Hey guys, right before we go on to the DC portion of the books, I just want to say thank you so much for deciding to, you know, download this episode to listening to my podcast. It means so much to me. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for doing so. But I will have to ask, if you can, please press that subscribe button and also share the podcast. Um, I am, of course, wanting to start a community here on Anchor or even, you know, on my Twitter account or on my Instagram account. Uh, you know, you can add me at Fanboy Clay on both Twitter and Instagram and then at Fanboy Comics Podcast on Instagram and Twitter as well. Um, you know, I, I, I love, you know, talking books. I love talking, you know, anything. But the really big thing is the whole reason why I'm wanting to do this podcast is to have the discussions about these books. And I love talking to you guys. You know, I'm, I'm doing this every single uh, every single day, three times a day. Uh, but I want to, I, I'll be honest, I kind of want to know if I'm not just screaming into the void, if you know what I mean. So, uh, so yeah, you know, the books that we are talking about, let me know your opinions on them. If, you know, I leave something out that you feel like is a little bit more important, uh, let me know. You know, I want to start a discussion about it. So please press that subscribe button, share with your friends and family, and uh, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into the DC books now. Alright, our DC books, of course, we're going to be talking about Supergirl, number one, Superboy, number two, and Superman, Wonder Woman, number two. So the first one, Supergirl. Supergirl number one. The reason why it's a number one, because the last episode we talked about Supergirl, it was actually an issue zero. And from what it said on that issue zero was actually a basically a reprint from the Superman Batman story that was there uh, in that issue or whatever. But here it's the official number one. You get the origin of Kara, where she came from, why she landed here. And, you know, it's really cool because we get a cameo, or not really a cameo, but an appearance of the JSA. And she's talking to Stargirl, which, by the way, Stargirl on uh, the DC Universe app and the CW uh, channel, I'm really enjoying. You know, the first episode was a little eh, but the second issue, uh, second episode, I had a lot of fun with. Uh, so go check that out. I've been watching it on DC Universe app, so that way I don't get anything cut out. I want to see it how it was originally, you know, made and whatnot. But, um, you know, Stargirl and her are kind of just talking back and forth, you know, just having casual small talk while the, uh, Flash, Jay Garrick, uh, freaking Wildcat, Mr. Terrific, and Alan Scott Green Lantern are all fighting Solomon Grundy. 
and it is so funny because at parts where you know Stargirl and Supergirl are kind of just nonchalant talking, Supergirl's like, "Uh, are you sure you don't need? We don't need to help them." And she's like, "Oh no, it's fine, it's fine. Just, just wait, just wait." And all of a sudden, Power Girl comes out of nowhere and stops. So, well, she's about to start. Uh, she's about to stop Solomon Grundy. And all of a sudden, Power Girl's powers start to weaken. And so Supergirl's like, "What's going on?" And Star Girl's like, "Oh yeah, it's been really weird. Ever since a couple of weeks ago, you know, Power Girl's, you know." powers have kind of just stopped working every now and again come to think about it it's kind of when around the time when and supergirl just like runs out and or flies out and like just knocks out grundy altogether and you know power girl says thank you they're about to start talking and all of a sudden power girl's heat vision just goes out of whack and she starts to attack supergirl and kind of attack everybody and you know things start to get like really hot and heated real quick and so all of a sudden uh mr terrific is like hold on i got an idea separate power girl and supergirl and then everything turns to normal everything's fine and mr terrific comes with the assumption and kind of explains it to to supergirl that basically they may be the exact same person. And, you know, due to the fact that, like, the same, like, two objects cannot occupy the same space, that, you know, that's why everything goes wonky between the two of them. So they learned, okay, okay, we have to keep our distance from each other. And after a couple weeks or months or however long, Power Girl finally, you know, agrees to meet up with Supergirl. And they have a conversation on top of the Statue of Liberty. Um, I feel like any chance that the artist got, he did a butt shot of Power Girl. Like, that's basically what this whole thing is. But they do have a conversation. And Supergirl wants to be a part of Power Girl's life. But at the same time, Power Girl doesn't really feel like it. Because she was finally getting, you know, used to the f- idea that she may be Clark's cousin. And, you know, things were really starting to look up for her. And all of a sudden, this other Supergirl just comes out of nowhere and proclaims the same stuff. It kind of, like, makes her feel weird, you know? And so she says, no offense, but I probably won't be seeing you all too much. Uh, which I feel very much hurt Supergirl, but not in, like, a maybe a personal way but just like god you know that that sucks that you know i cannot bond with this other kryptonian because of the situation that's at hand and we still see that calculator and lex luthor are very much spying on them and it cuts to supergirls like okay well if i can't you know talk to kara or well yeah you know a different kara i i think her name was kara power girl but instead of talking to Power Girl, I think I have another Kryptonian I can talk to. And so you see her flying to Kansas, and you see somebody flying up towards her. You're like, oh, it's going to be Superman. She's going to talk to Superman. Nope. It is the most badass Kryptonian out there with the blue jeans, the black shirt, 
the best reiteration of the character Superboy. So cool. Um, but he does not look very happy that Supergirl is there. He tells her to turn around and fly away. Uh, and he's not going to ask twice. And that's how the book ends. And it says next, uh, Supergirl uh, versus the Teen Titans, I think it says. Or it says Supergirl Teen Titans. No, wait, that is a versus. Yep, Supergirl versus Teen Titans. So, that's interesting. <laughs> um, I am looking forward to that. Uh, because, of course, Tony, I know you're a pretty good listener here. Um, you have told me very good things about that Teen Titans run. And I kind of want to read it. You know, I'm, I'm reading the books that I am now. That being Supergirl, uh, Superboy, and Superman, Wonder Woman. I'm not in, exactly enjoying Superboy all that much, and we'll talk about it here in a second. But if that one doesn't, you know, really get good in the next issue or two, maybe I can just drop that and jump into Teen Titans. I think that would be pretty cool. But let's go ahead and jump into Superboy number two. All right, Superboy number two, of course, this is a part of the New 52, which, you know, is the whole new origin and things like that. Um, the first few pages is from a month ago, quote unquote, talking about that whole first encounter with, you know, the laboratory blowing up. You find out that it's him and then a whole bunch of soldiers come out and are very demanding on, you know, they're going to basically terminate him and... I can't remember this redhead's name. Her name is, well, it's Dr. Something. I can't remember. Um, a lot of people call her Red, uh, or at least Rose Wilson calls her Red. And, you know, she very much convinces them to stand down, but at the same time, Connor kind of gets aggressive and hurts them. Uh, but Rose Wilson uh, kind of beats the shit out of him. Um, and I think that's him. I think that's Rose Wilson because she like grabs his shoulder and then like throws him. So I'm guessing that it, it is Rose uh, Wilson, but we jump to current time and they're wanting to put Superboy on his first mission and there's some sort of a riot in prison, whatever. Uh, these shark alien dudes are the ones encountering Rose and Superboy uh, you get to see, you know, his power set with the uh, the tactile telekinesis, you know, doohickey or whatever. Uh, I feel like they really, really jumped into that uh, with the New 52 uh, rather than, you know, the other reiterations of Superboy. They really held deep into that whole tactile telekinesis thing. And here you just see Superboy getting beat up. The entire time. And then you see, again, the tactile telekinesis. And uh, the facility starts to crumble. And that's the end. It says, next issue, uh, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. And that's that. Uh, like I said in the Supergirl review, I am not very interested in what happens next in the Superboy book. Uh, I will give it another two or three issues uh or yeah, yeah one or two two to three it, it it all depends on how well it is uh but if it's complete shit with the next issue 
then I would probably jump into Teen Titans, uh, pre-New 52, Teen Titans. So, uh, yeah, um, that is Superboy, which is very disappointing because... I feel like I was just like a total fanboy at the time, and I was just like, yeah, Superboy, this is awesome, and just reading everything that was put in front of me. Uh, but, you know, with a little bit more knowledge of what everything should be, and, you know, writing, and all of this stuff, I have a little bit better taste in things, I feel like. Uh, I can read this and just say, okay, this isn't great. Uh, so, that's that, and it's, it's a little disappointing, because, you know, Superboy is... My favorite person in the Superman family. Um, I would say second to Superman just because Superman is so high up there. But let's go ahead and jump into the last book of the day. That being Superman Wonder Woman number two. Alright, Superman Wonder Woman number two. We jump into the book where we kind of left off with the showdown between Doomsday and Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman gets the shit knocked out of her she is not looking good but then all of a sudden doomsday just kind of disappears like just vanishes in midair uh superman does uh you know get the ship that they are in that was sinking uh out to land uh you know they seemingly save the day and superman hears the description of you know, doomsday, and he's like, ah, shit, let me, let me take you to the fortress, they go to the fortress, and he uses the phantom zone as more as like a projector to show who's in it, and he shows Wonder Woman doomsday, and he, and he was like, was this that person, and she's like, yeah, that's who, that's exactly who it is, and Superman, you know, describes and tells Diana who this is, and she can very much hear the fear in his voice and like, hey, you know, you're Superman and I'm Wonder Woman. We can definitely beat him if he ever escapes this thing. And he is, you know, very hesitant still. But she's like, here, I, I have, you know, here's something that can, you know, ease your mind a little bit. And so they go to uh, Mount uh, Etna, which is the armory of he Hephaestus. And uh, this guy is like, you're bringing just some random mortal here. You know, that's disgraceful. And Superman's like, oh, I'm not no mere mortal. I'm stronger than I look. And he attacks Superman with this, like, hammer-looking thing. And Superman just, like, grabs it in midair. He's like, okay, okay, you are strong. Cool, cool, cool. And so they're looking into making armor for Superman and Wonder Woman uh, to prepare for their battle for Doomsday. And then Apollo shows up out of nowhere and, you know, basically calls uh, Wonder Woman a whore and is not very nice. And Superman's like, okay, okay. Uh, he says, uh, you're a god, right? That's, uh, or, or that's not just some affection or whatever. And he's like, your, ignorant, your ignorance astounds me. Yes, mortal. Yes, I am a god. I am Apollo, god of the sun and ruler of of Mount Olympus, he's like, okay, and Superman's like, okay, okay, good to hear, good to hear, and he says, well, why in the world would you say such foolish things, and he says, because if you ever speak to Diana like that ever again, I'm going to hit you, now, most of the time, when I hit someone, I can't go all out, I have to hold back, but since you're a god, I can beat the shit out of you, basically, and then Apollo 
just slaps him. Doesn't doesn't punch him, slaps him, and sends Superman flying into like this like molten lava, which is where the armor and weapons are made and everything. And so Diana's getting pissed. She's about to fight Apollo, but all of a sudden Superman comes out of this molten lava, and she's like, "No, no, no! Let me! I'm gonna do this." He knocks Apollo on his ass. Apollo is getting super angry. And uses, like, some sort of heat vision to hit Superman. But the only thing is, Apollo is the god of sun. His powers are sun-based. He's gonna give Superman sun energy, basically. He basically sun-dips Superman. (laughs) And, you know, Apollo is, like, very, like, very confused at the whole situation. He says, you hit me with sunlight? You don't know very much about me, do you? And he grabs Apollo, goes all the way up the mountain, through the top, and just slams uh, him all the way through. And and they're like, okay, we're good. Like, Superman is like, now that that's off my chest, let's go. And they just leave. And you see this, uh, they are, this scenery now is the Sahara Desert. Uh, you see all these people kind of just traveling there. And then there's something in the sand. And they're all going towards it. And this thing opens up and slices everybody in half. Their limbs are cutting off and everything else. That are Now they're all dead. And the person that is in this thing that's opening up is Zod. He is screaming. He is somewhat bloody. Uh, and, you know, it says... Next, only Zod forgives. So Zod is going to show up, which I am totally cool with, you know. Uh, I think this was around the time where uh, Man of Steel was coming out. So uh, I remember those covers of Zod and his, you know, his his right hand and, and all of these different people with Superman and Wonder Woman, so I was just like, man, this is so cool, like, being able to see that in comics, and then see Superman on the big screen, I was really excited for it, but, um, I really enjoyed this book as well, uh, so it looks like the only two from the fourth week, of course, this is the fourth week, uh, lineup of books, the only two I'm not really enjoying are Royals and Superboy, um, as far as Marvel, I don't know what I will, uh, be putting in the spot of Royals. Uh, I feel like I, I not I kind of need to do some research on what I kind of want to read and kind of want to force myself to read uh, to put in that lineup for Marvel. But if uh, if Superboy doesn't get good, I will I will be putting Teen Titans up there. And uh, yeah, let's go ahead and end it there, guys. Thank you so much for lasting this long. Uh, it is not you know, an hour or whatever. I know the last one was kind of long, so I do apologize for that. But thank you so much for lasting this long. If you did, um, I guess, um, you know, I'm drinking a Monster Energy drink. Randomly just tweet at me Monster Energy drink to show that you've lasted this long. And uh, yeah, Uh, thank you so much. And I will see you guys tomorrow for the Ultimate Friday episode.